0: Hello and welcome to episode 77 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach and I'm Jeff and we're your source for weekly drunken Magic the Gathering arena content. That's right. We're basically just
1: two regular dudes drinking some irregular beer and talking about Magic the Gathering in particular the online client MTG Arena. But you know what Zach? I have something really exciting to announce this week. Did I say we're just two regular dudes? You did. Well, this time, we're going to make that three. We have our first ever special guest on the show. I'm really excited about this. Um, Some people who've listened before know we're doing a tap takeover. That's how we like to take a lot of our beers. And this week, we're getting started on collective arts. So we thought, you know what? Why not bring in someone who has a little inside knowledge of brewing a beer for collective arts? So I'm proud to announce... Ryan, how you doing, Ryan?
2: I'm doing great, guys. Happy to be here. Happy to be the first guest on the Arenas Regu- Arena Regulars podcast. This is fucking sweet.
0: <laughs> so, of course, uh, we're going to rate this beer that you um, made. This is your recipe, right?
2: Tis indeed.
0: But I thought it would be great if you could introduce it to us. So, Ryan, what's on tap?
2: So what we have on tap today is a beer called Parallel Futures. It is a German Schwarz beer, which is a dark lager. It's a very reasonable 5.1%, and it goes mm. down real smooth. It sure
0: does. Whew. There's also this sweet picture of, like, this, this lady crying lava or something.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'm down with it. Lots of, like... Red and black magic card vibes happening here. Oh, love it. Absolutely.
0: But we have some magic news. This weekend is the new Capena Championship. It's May 20th to the 22nd, and it's standard and historic. So we're going to be talking a little bit more about standard later in the episode just to kind of get ready for it. And don't forget, the best-of-one play-in event to
1: qualify you for the Magic Arena Championship is this Saturday, and it's sealed. Uh, You don't get to keep the cards, it's phantom sealed, but hey, gotta love a good limited event.
0: And we have a banned and restricted announcement. What? I wasn't expecting this, but uh, here we go. Um, So, Winota, Joiner of Forces, and Tybalt's Trickery are banned and Explorer. Um, Tybalt's Trickery, because that card is uh, just annoying everywhere. Just just
1: fuck that card.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Winota, Winota, is all over Explorer, but they did say that um, they are going to watch it and unban it once rotation happens in, uh, well, I guess it doesn't even, rotation doesn't even happen in, for Explorer. So once we get more cards that are like closer to Pioneer, they're going to bring it back because they don't think it's a problem in Pioneer. I don't know. Anyway, it's soft banned for like the next five months, so. Super weird. Super but, weird. All right.
1: all right. Next up, we have Dominaria United, slated to release on September 9th. And the Brothers' War, November 18th. Uh, so we kind of thought Dominaria United would be replacing the core set. It would be the summer set. Um, but it sounds like they're doing more of a Shadows... Or, sorry, an Innistrad thing, like a Midnight Hunt, Crimson Vow kind of fall split. So I guess that just means we don't have a summer set?
0: Um, not so fast. It actually looks like we do have a summer set. It is going to be Alchemy Horizons, Baldur's Gate. It will release uh, on Arena on June, uh, sorry, July seventh, uh, and it's going to add two hundred and fifty new cards to Alchemy and Historic. So, Baldur's Gate is a Commander Legends product. Hmm. Can you play Commander on Arena? <laughs> uh, yeah, you can play Brawl. No, sorry, I meant Commander. Can you play Commander on Arena?
1: <laughs> yeah, Historic Brawl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um anyway so
1: i should clarify
0: so basically uh the standard format we're going to talk about right now is going to be standard for the rest of the summer till rotation no nothing else is going to happen to the standard format so yay i guess it it is what it is (laughs) hopefully you like the standard format yeah it's not changing so we'll get more into that but what we really want to talk about right now ryan oliver hello
2: hello boys (laughs)
0: <laughs> um I just wanted to know um what's your like beer journey so you brew beer of course um what's what's the story behind that where where did that all get started
2: honestly we can uh, you can blame your co-host Jeff for sparking that seed because the first homebrew I ever did was in his kitchen and we made a well we tried to make a sessionable pale right. ale and then threw a bunch of sugar at it at the end which increased the inevitable alcohol of the product so it became what we lovingly referred to as uh, an imperial session yeah. <laughs> that's my kind of session yeah I'm pretty it, sure <laughs> yeah the session starts at six percent right yeah so yeah. it's supposed to be consumed but yeah that kind of like it, it kind of sparked it and then I you know picked up some of my own homebrew gear and started doing it almost monthly um, decided that I wanted to. Turned that into a career. Went to school at Niagara College. Picked up a couple gigs. I worked at a place called Equals in London. And then at Collective Arts for a bit. And now I'm currently at a smaller brewery in Hamilton called Fairweather. So that is kind of the journey thus far. And I love it. I love making delicious things that people can enjoy just for the sheer (laughs) hedonism of it.
0: Well, we enjoy being able to drink the things that you make. Um, So thank you for that. Um, I do want to take this moment to quickly apologize for a comment I had made at one point. (laughs) I might have brought this up on the show before. So people who are avid listeners have heard about you. Um, But we were doing a War of the Spark uh, (laughs) draft and you had brought some of your beer. And you were having our friend Dylan drink some of it and he gave some of it to me. I might have been a little drunk at that time, but I did drink some of it. And the compliment that I gave you was, wow, this is so good. You could sell it. And you were like, well, okay, but can you give me some like, what are the flavors in it? Are there any like profiles you can talk about? I'm like, no, this is, I'm just surprised that, you know, I I would buy this. (laughs) And so I want to apologize for that that (laughs) comment because that's kind of, you know, not compliment (laughs) in quotation marks, compliment in quotation marks. So, um, I have realized the error of my ways now, so I apologize for that one.
2: Uh, all all is forgiven. You you needn't worry. A lot of uh, beer descriptions, if anyone is familiar with the untapped application mm-hmm. on your phone, you can see people. They don't, they don't know
0: what to <laughs> <about>. <laughs> so. Well, it's great to have an expert because um, there's a possibility that we don't know what we're talking about either. Anyway.
1: I did just want to chime in, though, first and say... Uh, Zach says he's learned the error of his ways, but he actually trashed my homebrew just last week on the show. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I
0: didn't trash it. I just. <laughs>
2: Rude. To your own co host. How dare you! Well, or I guess
1: he has learned he has learned the air of his ways because he said it wasn't as good as a commercial beer so you know he's he's figured out that saying it's as good as a commercial uh, beer is not a good i product,
0: it, that's not go look at the tape that's not what happened i didn't say that <laughs> i just said whatever I'm, I'm not gonna get into that <laughs> ryan okay i do want to know though so what is your favorite beer to drink and then also what is your favorite beer to make
2: these days my preference for consumption is is fallen back to like traditional german styles and that was kind of the impetus for wanting to brew a, a german dark lager with like traditional german malts uh, noble hops etc and it turns out if you have the right equipment they're also the easiest beers to make no dry hopping to do no fruit to add no birthday cakes in the mash tun etc <laughs> it's just grain hops.
3: They're
1: tough to make in your apartment in Toronto, though.
2: Yeah, it's damn near impossible unless you have a a serious homebrew investment, but you know, I was leaning into the professional scale when I had this recipe and the facility that made it had the capability to lager for two months. You get that nice kind of almost nutty, light sulfur character that German yeast can impart on lager, which I love so much. But yeah, it's german styles baby that's where it's at
1: <laughs> so you're saying b- both to drink and brew
2: i think so yeah i don't mind you know making ipa um but it's just uh, you know the market is so saturated with new england ipas i just feel like you know you're it's like you're yelling into the void a little bit you're like oh i got another double dry hopped new england ipa like great <laughs> so does everyone and their dog at this point
0: <laughs> add it to
2: the list yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, Citra hops, Mosaic, great! Yeah, it's all it's old. Citra Mosaic, <laughs> never heard of that. <laughs> those are delicious, though. I love those ones. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I do love yeah. a delicious Nipah. I'm just trashing them because you know I feel like the Nepa is the white aggro of steaming. <laughs> oh, lighten <now. laughs> right my
0: fields! Oh no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: had to trash it. Like
1: everyone knows it's good, but you know, nobody wants to play it. That's exactly
2: <laughs> it. That's exactly how I feel about it.
1: You're okay. So you like to drink lagers right now and you like to brew lagers right now. But the way you said it, presumably that wasn't always true. You said you've sort of gravitated back towards those. Um so what I have to ask you now is what we call a mythic beer. So it's like in Arena, mythics the highest rank. Mythic beer, these are the all-time classics. When I say mythic beer, To you, just an all-time, one of your favorites, best beers. What comes to mind?
2: I think, Jeff, you'll 100% have my back here because I would say a top-tier, classic-style, mythic rank beer is everyone's favorite Quebec triple, Fintemont. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I was really (laughs) hoping you were going to say that. (laughs) I I was pretty sure you were going to say that, but... uh...
2: Listen, there is absolutely nothing at fault with that beer, and you, I just can't find it anywhere these days, and I'm a little upset about that because it is just such a fantastic example of the style, made to perfection. And, you know, the homebrew clone, Jeff, you and I did, was also fantastic. Yeah. I think that might have been the comment. Yeah. Yours, Zach. The same <laughs> <seven>. <laughs> might have been that. Oh, now I That's offended how good it too. is, Mark. <laughs>
0: i'm just trashing everybody's beer now is that what's going on
1: (laughs) zach's the homebrew trasher
0: so actually i was wondering for you two how many beers did you guys make together uh
1: not that many but you know five ish a couple four
0: five
2: maybe
0: it's
1: hard to count too because we did one split batch so does that count as one or two? But we made a beer, we made like the base and then split it into two different batches and did different things to each one to see which one turned out better. Mm. Uh,
0: it's like getting a mana base and then making two different decks out of it. That sounds like a fun thing to do though. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, no, that's cool. Um, I remember being, I think when we were doing our Theros draft at your house, Ryan, we, um, you guys were checking
2: up on, on the beers at one
0: point. And I was like, "Ooh, what's going on over there?" And that was, I think that was the first time I realized that you made beer.
2: Yeah, I think that might have been like peak, peak homebrew obsession. I had like a whiteboard dedicated <laughs> yeah. to all the fermentation mm-hmm. tracking, what what the starting specific gravities were when I put the yeast in, when we added the dry hops, when we added you know like oak cubes or whatever. <laughs> whatever. That was yeah, That was definitely peak had. obsession. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there there was some there was some <laughs> jank <jig laughs> involved in the homebrew journey. <laughs>
0: uh so then what is one of those jinx what what is something that you tried when you're homebrewing and you're just like that It seems so cool i was really excited it
2: just didn't get there oh oh i got one it was particularly bad i was like you know what i'm gonna do is like i'm gonna make a i'm gonna make a stout stouts are fine right but i'm gonna use belgian yeast and i'm gonna throw berries and coffee and cacao nibs and all this it was vile <laughs> it was so wretched it like looked like motor oil. <laughs> it was like this viscous, oily, so many off flavors that I could now identify. <laughs> like this is undrinkable. I remember that one. But then actually. some of my friends were like, "Oh, it's not. It's not that bad." Like this is odd <laughs> garbage. But, yeah, Belgian stout. The, there's a reason this style doesn't exist commercially, and I think I discovered this through homebrewing.
0: <laughs> so, um. Obviously, brewing is like your job, and do you do any little bits of home brewing still, or is it just like everything's just what you're doing at 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 work? Do you have like little side projects?
2: In infrequently these days, because I, you know, I don't have the creativity at work because I'm you know brewing other people's recipes and whatnot. But the beer we're having today, I actually managed to do a home brew trial with it because the winter months were like perfect lagering temperatures in the lower portion of our apartment So I'm like great we did get it i still have some on on tap actually
0: <laughs> oh yeah? yeah nice that's awesome to pull,
2: a, pull a pint and do a side by side because the one recipe was the basis for the other that's cool but definitely not brewing monthly at home anymore because i'm doing it daily for exactly money, so. yeah and just
0: like <laughs> i'm sure exhausting and then you're like you know what I can do other things as well. I don't need to only make beer 24-7. True.
2: Like, you know, use my spare time to play certain card game for adult men. Or <laughs> I
0: I stand by that this is... People like to pretend that Magic's a children's card game. It is not. It is maybe interesting to children, but boy, is did I play as a kid, and then I got older, I was like, I did not know what I was doing <laughs> before. Um <laughs> So that kind of brings us in... Ryan, I'm wondering... you Obviously, you play Magic, and that's why we're having you on the podcast. Um, what's your Magic journey? Like, where did you start? What, what was, like, your first set? And, like, did you come in and out? Or, you know, all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, I'm just going to correct myself, because I said a game for adult men. This game is for everybody. I don't want to be gender-specific. This is for everybody. And please, I don't want to be, like, gatekeeping for this fantastic hobby that, you know, all of us have found so much joy in. But... Yeah, I started as a young man picking up some janky ass zombie deck, I think, at the end of the Onslaught set because my friend down the street had a box of cards and some, some, uh, what was it gem palm polluter oh, okay. cycle deal damage to zombie at equal to the number of zombies you control etc oh no not you control on the battlefield because they still yep. had that like blanket statement it didn't matter if your opponent had zombies you're still dealing the, it made damage. the
1: janky zombies mirror uh, real tough
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> for sure and then i uh, kind of walked away from it for a bit and then got back into it when i was in college uh when zendikar dropped and Fetchlands and Jace and Stoneforge Mystics were all around. Granted, I didn't have any of those cards because I was a poor. Student <laughs> yeah. spent all my money on on fucking beer. <laughs> Priorities, man. Priorities. Yeah, it, it's a hard balance,
0: yeah. you know, making sure you have the, enough cards for your deck, but also enough beers to drink at the event, because you know, well, how am I supposed to have fun if I'm not drinking at the event?
2: <laughs> totally. <Yeah. laughs> we were playing Popper. We were playing Popper before we knew what Popper was. <laughs> <laughs> playing
1: Popper by accident by necessity.
2: Yeah. Pretty much. But yeah, what really sealed the deal was Cons of Tarkir and that limited format which I will stand behind as probably one of the best, at least for me, most fun limited environments.
1: Dude, I am with you. That was an amazing format. That's when I came back to the game too. I played in like a went to a random cons draft and I was like that was amazing. And then I just kept playing.
0: You guys are very lucky, because I came back at Magic Origins, like, right after it, and I, I missed it completely. <laughs> Oof.
1: Just in time for, like, Ixalon or some shit?
0: <laughs> Basically, yeah. No, just just in time for Battle for Zendigar.
1: <laughs> oh, my God, even worse. Oh, even worse.
0: Geez. So, yeah, um, that's... Uh, I can't believe you stayed.
2: <laughs> strong agree there, man. That seems like you're getting turned away at the door when you come back in that set. Yikes.
0: <laughs> you know, I just... <laughs> It's magic, man. A, uh, there was a long period of time where I had to actively try not to play because it, uh, I, would, I would wake up with no beer money, basically. And I'd be like, well, mm. how am I supposed to live? <laughs> 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 but, but yeah, so um, I do want to know. We talked a little bit about your hatred towards mono-white already. already. <laughs> so what archetype would you say that you are? Like, What's your favorite archetype to play? Um, slash, like, what are your favorite colors and color combinations?
2: I think as far as color combo, kind of leaning into my love of, of heavy, heavy metal as well, is, like, mm-hmm. red and black all the way.
0: Yeah,
2: Whether it's, like, mid-rangey or sacrificey or spell-based, I think there's a lot of angles you can take with that color combination that's lots of fun. It's, like, burn and discard and usually powerful planeswalkers and removal printed in those color pairings. That's it's my jam. I like that kind of thing.
1: Dude, let's talk later, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you too. I got some. I got some red black action for you.
2: I mean, with this like latest land series, I might be leaning into the jund train because they're kind of you know jund and red black share a lot of the things that I like about those color pairs. Interesting. Yeah, it's a different angle. Yeah,
0: so not white blue like my favorite colors. Interesting.
2: <laughs> 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 I. I try to not play Basic Island in almost all of my decks. <laughs> <laughs> to be
0: fair, most of the time I'm playing Basic Island so I can play like, Curiosity. That's about it. <laughs> I don't. <Yeah. laughs>
2: but I, could res- I could respect that if you're playing a, like counter spells. Well, uh, yeah.
0: oh,
1: you know he's rocking some spell piers.
0: Well, yeah. Well, spell piers and mana yeah. Those are my favorites, but. <laughs> <laughs> Manatide, this guy. Come
2: on.
1: <laughs> I, I I actually kind of like Manatide. There's nothing quite like getting got by Manatide. You can just laugh. Yeah.
2: Like you're like, how did? No one ever expects the butterfly. No one ever mm-hmm. expects the Manatide. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So, um, I I think I might know one of these. But do you have like a pet card? Like, what's either if you're either it's a card that's like super jank that you always wanted to make work or. Like, it's the the uh, Belgian stout of, of magic. Or it is, um, like, just some card that you always love and you have a hard time not putting it in a deck. From, like, all of magic history. Like, what's what's the one that you would wear
2: around your neck? One that I would definitely wear around my neck is everyone's favorite zero one one vampire, and that is Blood Artist. <laughs> nice. I I need some Blood Artist in most of the decks I play. Tokens, shenanigans, sacrificing... Stacks of triggers because all of your creatures are dying simultaneously. I find that very enjoyable.
1: So how do you feel about Sanguine Brushstroke?
2: I mean, I feel like I'm being a bit hipster about it, and I don't want to play Blood Artist because that card <laughs> exists. <laughs> I don't want to play the Brushstroke because I feel like they've tainted it, and I was in before it was cool, before it was fun. Before, like,
1: before it like won a Pro Tour uh, a decade ago? Or yeah.
2: yeah, exactly. Now I'm like less keen to play the card because it's... It's gone mainstream, man. <laughs> sold out.
0: Uh, well, it is an artist. It's a blood artist, you know, so they did sell out, I guess. Um, <laughs> now they're teaching everybody the brushstroke. Um, nice. All right, I have one final question for you, and it does pertain to this beer. So if parallel futures, it does sound kind of like a magic card. Um, if it was a magic card... What would it do?
2: This is a very interesting one because parallel has been applied to magic cards. Yeah, I in feel past. like I'm thinking parallel lives. Is this like
1: actually a card? I wouldn't even be that surprised if there was a card called parallel. Wait,
0: magic let me, cards. as you're, as you're Some, I'm going to look it up them. while you're, while you're talking about this, because I, I wanted to do it earlier, but I forgot to. Um, and I have been having throughout the entire week talking about this beer. I keep saying parallel lives in my mind. And I'm like, no, 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 it's, it's different. It's not parallel. lives. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I feel like this could be some future site complete jank and the text on the card would read like, if a player is going to take an extra turn, (laughs) instead you take that many turns plus one or something like that. You know, like, just like kind of leaning into that futures thing and the, you know.
1: Actually, that card would have been really, really good out of the sideboard in the most recent standard. That
0: would have been cool. What color, is it blue? Or is it? Uh,
2: unfortunately, unfortunately, it's. Oh, so it's for the mirror <laughs> match. It might That's be. Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see your nexus of fate, and I'll play parallel. Our <laughs> one's epiphany,
0: parallel futures. That's great. Totally. That's awesome. Um, I did actually. Sorry, I know that I said that was my last question, but it's not. Um, because I was interested. So, <laughs> as this is more of a beer question. So, uh, but like, you came up with the beer. You came up with the recipe. Does that, do you get to name it? Do you get to name the beard? Did you name it this is what I'm asking. Did you name it Parallel Futures?
2: I did not name it Parallel Futures. I wanted to call it Damnation Dark Lager <sighs> after everyone's favorite two colorless, two black all Creatures that cannot be regenerated <laughs> card. <laughs> nice.
1: Card that needs to come to Arena, by the way. I Keep agree. Uh, we
0: we yeah. have Wrath of God in Historic. That's the same thing. <laughs> it's not, it's not the same. <laughs>
1: Did you hear what I said
0: about <laughs> white cards? I don't know what
2: i That one's double white. Get out of here. Extra good. Can't splash that in my Rakdos deck, unfortunately. But <laughs> But yeah, like at the time I was speaking to the head brewer at the Collective Arts Toronto location, uh, Jeff and another Jeff. Wait, Jeff? You? Um, and <laughs> Sorry. I, was like, hey. I actually work. <laughs> he's got a he's got a side hustle. And I was like, hey, man, can we call this damnation? And he wrote it in the marketing spreadsheet. And like, well, let's see if they change it. And um, apparently they did. So. Well, <laughs> <Immediately>.
0: <laughs> at least you have like your, you know, your buddy on your side. It might have been one of those weird like, oh, we don't want anything that feels, I don't know, like, it's like the, the, the pentagrams in, in Demonic Tutor and early magic. Where they're like, oh, people are going to worry that it's like satanic or something. We have to. I don't know.
2: Certainly. I think that that might have been a, a portion of it. It feels like a lot of the beer names coming out of the Toronto location have two words, one of which is a pluralized noun and they're very vague. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like parallel futures. That's
0: that's true. That is fairly vague. Um especially with a, uh a woman crying lava on the front. What is is that is that the other person's future? Is that what it is? Like this is your You know, it kind of has that multiverse kind of thing. Everyone's about the multiverses right now. I I could see that where it's like, oh, Spider-Man did it. So let's uh, let's jump in the multiverse game, I guess. Magic's been doing that for a long time. So get out of here.
2: We invented it first. (laughs) We did.
0: We did. No, I I, I had nothing to do with it.
1: (laughs) Oh, really?
2: They didn't consult you? Yeah. That's weird, man. I thought you were shoein' for consultation.
0: As like an 11-year-old, I was like, you know what? We should go to Meriden. It's a silver planet world universe.
2: And they're no. like, you you son of a bee, I'm in. Yeah. And that's how we got artifacts. No, I actually... We
0: got artifacts. <laughs> Just artifacts. This mystery is a little shaky. I yeah, like, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> um, no, I was actually very against silver artifacts. I was very much that no, they should be brown fuck these yeah. silver things yuck
1: i mean those things did look awesome if we could get arena styles that are you know we say this all the time but if you could get arena styles that are just old border old like versions of the cards yeah i would love that i would buy them all would, those would be the only like aesthetics that i would really buy every time
0: yeah because <laughs> the only other aesthetic that i've actually bought with like currency was uh the old border basics and i was like that's right. that's the only thing i care about I need those.
2: Yeah. And
1: then
0: once I have those, I don't need to buy any of the other basics
1: that
2: ever. Again. In, ever. It's true. You just want those muddy brown artifact yeah. borders. And I'm I'm with you there big yeah, time. Yeah. I want sure. like
1: And they had like the cracks in the, you know, they they really gave you that feel of like ancient. You know, artifact used to actually mean artifact in magic, and now it means like metallic
2: race cars and robots mechs and Titans. <laughs> Yeah,
0: it's not something you found in the ground, it's like something that you made in a a warehouse, I guess. It's just any any inanimate object that's not magical, which is up to debate, I guess, because sometimes they are magical. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) we don't have to get into why artifacts are artifacts, but um, anyway, uh, how are we doing on beers? I'm ready. All right. Yeah, lagging behind <laughs> uh, So uh, let's just take a beer break, and, uh, and then we'll get into some standard uh, metagame. Let's do it. This beer break is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon. That's
1: right, you're already supporting the show just by listening, but if you want to support the show even more, Patreon's the best way to do that.
0: And when you become a patron, you get an exclusive invite to our After Party, which is a mini-episode recorded immediately after this one where we ramble on about uh, non-magic things. Plus, if
1: you're feeling bad for me because I have a co-host who trashes all the beers that I make, you can try to make me feel a little better by buying me a beer.
0: Or you can continue to buy me more beers.
1: But
2: you really can't buy me beer. Don't try. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so go to patreon.com slash arena regulars to vote on uh which one of us you like the most i guess me, between me and jeff because uh i'm sorry you can't get one for ryan
2: <laughs> sad face what a satisfying noise eh it's
0: so nice like that and uh this week we're drinking another one we're just we're sticking yeah. with ryan's <laughs> brew
1: you know i had a backup just in case it was awful you know, <laughs> had a, had a coarse Light in the fridge
3: just to <laughs> wash it down. Yes.
2: I mean, if it's not a Bud Light peach seltzer, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> That's like what
1: Zach
0: made me drink last week. So To be fair, the Bud Light peach seltzers are pretty good.
2: <laughs> I mean, I kind of want to try one. I, I really do. I don't know what it is. It's just like it's so heinous, but I feel like I need to try one. Oh. Yeah,
1: you just can't let anyone from your work see, you. you know, you have to like drive half an hour out of
2: town. <laughs> yep, Cover the can and duct tape just in case. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> awesome. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, we are going to move on to talking a bit about the standard metagame. Boy, does it feel like there's a lot of stuff going on in standard right now. Right. It feels like that. I mean, there are some certain decks that you're like, this one i see all the time but uh i definitely run into a bunch of other random things so
2: yay so yay i don't know
0: in general how does everybody feel jeff you haven't said how you feel about standard at the moment what are you thinking
1: yeah i feel like it's relatively diverse i think basically what's happening is there's one deck that is a huge portion of the metagame and then everything else is like five percent and so you have uh you know, the 30-35% deck, and then, you know, 12-5%ers or whatever, 13-5%ers, um, which is cool. That's that's a totally reasonable place for the format to end up, and I don't think the the number one deck, so to speak, uh, is that it's not so strong that I feel like I can't beat it. So sometimes in the past, you've had decks like the All Runs Epiphany combo deck, where it was like, I can't do anything if I... You know, if, I, if I try to brew something up, I'm just going to get trounced by that. So it doesn't feel quite as restrictive in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you guys been playing yourselves? Have you been playing a little bit of everything or, or just sick into one thing?
0: I have been playing um, a, a little smattering of everything. I've been playing that deck that you were, were alluding to, which is the the deck. And then a few others. Um, but you know, kind of just going back to my favorites playing some runes. Um, I actually have not been playing mono-white, so I know that we were talking about that <laughs> earlier. But I haven't been playing mono-white. That would usually be one my deck to play, but since runes has kind of taken its place, uh, that's what I tend to play. But Ryan, what are you playing?
2: I'm kind of, right now, brewing up two different things simultaneously. One is kind of jund, but I haven't committed my wild cards to Obnixilis yet. Oh, and yeah, i got to. <laughs> I know, I know. I really he, he, need to commit to that. He's worth a slot. But then I've got this green white mid range deck, and I'm really trying to push that to work a little bit. Kind of just, almost not quite super friends, but definitely wonder, running Wandering Emperor and Red and Seven,
3: mm. trying to get
2: some ramp action. It's fun, fun to play. It does get trounced by this. That sounds like white cards. I know, though. I know, but it's not white aggro. It, <laughs> There's no luminarch aspirant to be seen. There are no brutal Cathars here. Oh, there mistakes. Are sky clay. There are Skyclave. There are Skyclave apparitions. Oh, I'll okay. Say.
0: Well, come on. Like that's that card's. <laughs> but no. Um, nice. That's awesome. Well, I mean, I was gonna say. I'm assuming that you're brewing something because you're. You're. That's what you do. You're a brewer. <laughs>
2: Throwing yeah. it up <laughs> jank all day. All day jank. Uh,
0: Jeff, uh, I, you're playing Rakdos. I know that, that, that's, what, that's what's going on.
2: Actually,
1: I am playing Rakdos.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm playing
1: an old school version, though. So I'm playing some old school Rakdos sacrifice. Um, we got some dorky one drops in the form of uh, iTwitch. You know, standard oh. all star, and uh, one of our favorites, the the chef. <laughs> you know the chef that's like the bowl of ramen. Dockside, maybe yeah. Baby. Side. yeah. Uh, a card that I those are my one drops coming into the two drop slot. I landed on Skyclave Shade. Uh, after we talked about it, I, I respect. It so I forgot respect about it for that card. Yeah. yeah, put it back in, and I've never. I I haven't gone back. I'm not taking it out again. The card's just too dope. And a card that nobody seems to be playing, which is the uh, Reckless Riveteer, I want to say. Something like that. Riveteer Requisitioner. So he's a 3-1. When he dies, you make a treasure token. And he has... Right. uh, Blitz. 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 Card is so good. It's very, very good. Especially when you're getting value out of sacrificing it. Um, Because you, like, blitz it, attack for three, sack it, draw two cards, draw another card, make a treasure token. Like, it's sweet.
0: Yeah, when it, uh, it just said Riveteer and it was red, so I just assumed it was terrible, but, um. (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but,
1: no, it's good, and uh, obviously we have Obnixilis, sort of 4x reason to play the deck, Mm -hmm. and card I'm very happy with, which is Bloody Betrayal, Um, so I am straight up playing Active Treason in Standard and
2: loving it wow shout out to our friend uh chris who yeah uh, would always <laughs> every draft, draft deck had that. like
1: three or four active trees in <laughs> um.
0: i mean that's a yeah. good one
1: there's nothing quite like stealing your opponent's creature and then sacking it to an omnix list there's, there's nothing quite like that.
0: and then dr- <laughs> hitting them for four that sounds awesome <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. i played against some crazy reanimator deck that was doing the you know the white reanimation spell, get back the dragon with haste kind of thing? The deck that you Anyways, were playing? they had like a, <laughs> an eight power creature, mm-hmm. and I stole it, and whacked them with it, and then sacked it to Obnixilus. And then ultimate... The problem was I didn't... No, the problem was I didn't get to ultimate because his plus was lethal, because my opponent had no cards in hand, and they were at four, so I just plus plus. But uh, that was a bummer. Well, but you could I, just... You know,
0: Oh, well, do it for the memes. Yeah. Do, yeah, it do it for memes.
1: Do it any, just do it any, Think, 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 ultimate. Ultimate. <laughs> oh. I'm at like six life, so I die. <laughs> I mean, but no no no. It
0: says target player though. You could you could aim it at them.
1: You could kill them yeah. with it, man. Oh, where were you, man? I could've I could have won with the ultimate. I have no, I I, double plus. The
0: reason I say that is because I have died to the ultimate that my opponent had, where they pointed it at me and ah. I was like, i'm milling my deck with my like snooping newsies and then they're like obnixilus ultimate pointed at you i'm like fuck you i only had seven cards in my library (laughs) damn it
1: (laughs) but yeah i think the deck's pretty competitive and it's a lot of fun um no one ever expects acts of treason in the standard, <laughs> no. runes, or what are they called? Standard events.
0: If you like, that's a really good card against runes because I would never see it coming. I'd be like, I got this fucking. <laughs> oh, yeah, card. You, that's, you, that's you steal good. something
1: huge life linker too. It's awesome. Yeah, <laughs>
0: and then sack it, and then you get the biggest of ever, and then you plus. <laughs> You're like Obnixilus, loyalty eleven plus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: That's rude. I don't want seven cards or a devil token. I want, <laughs> I want to you, <laughs> you to
2: lose two. Oh, it's got, it's got to feel good when you take their, like, 12-12 <laughs> Trellisara <laughs> Moon Dancer, and you're like, well, I'm going to smack you with it now. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> take that. Thanks
1: for giving it Trample and Lifelink. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You just lost three cards. Um, Awesome.
1: Seriously, though, almost every game comes down to, like, if I top-deck Active Treason,
2: I win. (laughs) And that's what... That's a good place to be in life, in standard. (laughs)
0: That's what an Active Treason should do. Instead of, like, uh, uh, steal your 1-1 bird token, (laughs) you know?
1: (laughs) The blood token brings it pretty close to, like, already just being playable on its own.
0: Well, Nice.
2: Guys, I feel like we, we beat, beat around the bush a little bit here. We didn't actually talk about what the 35% uh, yeah. deck is.
1: Yeah, we should talk about the best deck in the format. Look at this! Our special
0: guest is bringing us back to the notes. Uh, sorry. Come on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sorry, second best deck. We already t- talked about the best deck. Oh, right. right. She- Active Treason yeah, and yeah, Standard yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um,
0: so, of course, we're talking about the Esper mid-range deck, um, which is just
2: oh, aggravating. It has it has everything. It has control, it's got mid range, it's got aggro. I feel like it can attack you from every angle and there's not much you could do about it. No. If you don't top deck that removal, you're it's toast. And like, oh, even if you do top top deck that removal, there's a ward or there's a shield or some nonsense.
0: Yeah, so what is like obviously the card that really helped is just the triome to give them good mana. Because uh, that's what they were waiting for from the set. But like we've talked about Obscura Interceptor a little bit on the show, just saying, like, this is kind of the place where it wants to be. Um, but really the card that I think brings it together is this freaking legendary creature, Rafine scheming seer. I I I I hate this card. I hate it. It's so, <laughs> it's so good, but I hate it.
1: I love it. When you steal it, it loots for you a few times. So yeah, but then
0: your active treason costs four. That's no good.
1: It does. <laughs> yeah, that is annoying.
2: <laughs> Where's Wrangle?
1: <laughs> it usually means I can't Omnixilus as well. I have to, like, you know, just village rights it or something.
2: How many Kazool's Fury are you running, Jeff? Zero. Zero Kazool's Fury. Uh, I think that needs to be four. needs to go up to four. I have eight
1: black one drops which is kind of what i don't like about it <laughs> but uh, <laughs> i don't love the red tap lens yikes
0: yeah that's a but
1: i i will i'll take it under consideration Appreciate it. uh but yeah obviously rafine has sh- just turned out to be like it it reads okay when you read rafine and spoilers you're like okay pretty good i guess um but when you play against it It almost has pseudo haste because the two creatures they already had now get to, like, they get to distribute two counters, like Rafine drops, and then immediately they're getting some benefit from the attack, which is, I think, something that was a bit lost on me in preview season. You have to, like, play against it to see that, oh, man, now they get to loot two and put two counters on something if they so choose, and, like, I can't kill that. I can almost never kill that in response, like, at instant speed on turn three because of the ward. So, yeah, Rafine is just a lot better than it looked, I think, and is really pulling this deck together.
2: Yeah, I feel like it just falls together so well if they can loot a Tenacious Underdog. They oh, play fuck. Ravine on three, Tenacious Underdog in the graveyard on four. So, if they don't hit anything off of these Connive draws, they already have a play that's just sitting in the bin. It, it yeah, just, it's so dirty. Yeah.
1: And then, like, all of the. You know, it has four toughness, but if you let it attack even once, it's going to go up to five, and a lot of, you know, the removal you would use on it can't deal with five. Like, even the card I sideboard in for it is the minus four, minus four to a white creature, and it's like you have a one-turn window for even that to work, and that's the card I side it in.
2: <laughs> like... Yeah. <laughs> it's Yeah, you're looking at Infernal Grasp, maybe a... You know, a demon bolt that's been foretold. Like, what else is there to remove this thing on free when it comes to? There's like
0: Raven Fuelment, and then you can play the. um, What's the one that you sacrifice an artifact and it deals for? um, From Kamigawa? Voltage Surge. Yeah, Voltage Surge.
1: But again, a lot of that stuff's four, right? And then it can also get out of range of uh, burn down the house if Mm -hmm. you're relying on that. Super fast. It's not that hard for it to get up to six toughness.
0: Meat Hook Massacre is not going to do it. I guess you need to... You need like, to create
1: a bunch of treasures to get it with Meat Hook Massacre.
0: Yeah. Um, I've been playing Borrowed Time, which is just like the Oblivion Ring, um, which helps because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how big it is, but it still costs four. Um, so like
1: four mana sorcery speed. Right?
0: Yeah. And they're just going to use their like Obscure Interceptor to <laughs> bounce that back to <laughs> yeah, your hand. So okay. it just like...
1: It, Whenever they have priority and they wait for you to pay the ward, you know shit's not. You're like, oh. It's like, this sucks.
2: Oh, man. It feels so bad. So. It feels so, so bad.
1: You're like, I almost don't want to pay it. So they I don't, don't feel quite as bad when yeah, You're like, you know what? No.
0: I, just counter. I'm going to counter my own spell. It, it just, like, it's so frustrating. Um, yeah. And this, this deck's just, like, really strong. And you know what? It doesn't really run. Is freaking Void Rend. Like, it doesn't need the card. It doesn't
1: <laughs> Yeah. Some versions do. I think it depends on how good Vanishing Verse is in the format. If Vanishing Verse is really good, then you don't need to run Void Rend. If, you- if people start to move towards more multicolored permanents, then you gotta play some more Void Rend.
2: Yeah, I was quite surprised looking at some of these Esper deck lists and not seeing any copies of Void Random. Like this seems like a slam dunk for those kind of decks, but it's just like it's it's a win more card for the deck. You don't you don't even need it because it's already so powerful. It's because
0: <laughs> the Wandering Emperor is going to exile something, or um, all your other stuff does things. It just feels like it, when I'm playing in Runes, like and I'm playing against this deck, I have to just put a bunch of my enchantments onto the Jukai Naturalist because it can't get hit. By um, vanishing verse, and I have to. You got to do something else. You can't vanishing verse this. You're gonna vanishing verse. And you everyone. don't
1: attack with it because it's just a. You don't want it to. It's get a three two. Amperors. Yeah. You put all of your auras on a creature that never attacks.
0: It's just the worst. You have to like need the the freaking um, the visitor, the little one one that puts counters on it, or you need showdown of the skulls to get it. Just it's oh, so frustrating. Anyway, um, this is the deck to beat. We were thinking it was gonna be more of something with. Uh, I'm just. I'm just surprised that it doesn't have a mix-a-less. It's not doing mixolus things, and it can get on the board really nicely to deal with mixolus. It is, it's, the, it's the whole thing, man. It's everywhere. It's not even playing farewell. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's a good deck. <laughs> <It's>...
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. Now that being said, like I was sort of saying before, I don't think it's so good that it. Like I think it's a totally fine deck to have be the best deck. Mm-hmm you know, it's playing three colors. I agree. It can, yeah. it can lose to its own mana. Um, it, you know, it's a, more of a mid range deck. It's trying to, it's like tap out mid range kind of stuff, which is totally fine. And even when it has its nut draw, it doesn't just feel like you just lose the game. Like y- there's some stuff you can do to fight it. And I beat this deck plenty. Like I don't know what my overall record is, but it's not like I'm 0-30 against this deck.
0: You know? it's like... <laughs> I, I'm definitely not 0-30, but it feels like it. It feels like it, <laughs> yeah. and uh, it definitely makes me wonder if my deck choices are really bad.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I think. <laughs> like, hmm. Ryan, I'll, I'll have to see how you feel, but I think playing a mid-range mirror match against this deck is, is kind of fun.
2: Yeah, definitely the the games that I've played against this deck with either my, like, black, red, or Jund nonsense um, have definitely felt winnable. I didn't end up winning those games, but there was definitely (laughs) a a solid back and forth. But then, you know, you can kind of see the tipping point in these matches where, like, well, I cannot catch up. At this point, they're just getting too much card advantage from the underdogs, or like I'm seeing some of these some of these lists are running Null Priest of Oblivion. So when you finally deal with Rafine, they just get it back on you know turn six or seven. <laughs> You're like, well, yeah the the
1: werewolf we the black werewolf is very good against them.
2: Yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh, what is the uh, graveyard graveyard trespasser? Right. Uh-huh. I am a huge fan of that card, to, and I think you know that's going to be a hopefully. Get in the top eight this weekend, <laughs> taking care of these tenacious underdogs that are all over the place.
0: That's definitely a reason to play that card. I I don't like Graveyard Trespasser because I'm always it's always played against me. But yes, that is a good card. Like,
1: Fuck, how am I gonna beat this card? Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, anyway, let's move to some other stuff. Let's talk about some uh, Obnixilus decks. The the ones that I thought were gonna be like the it, you know the this is whatever week three of Standard since this set came out so. This is the card I thought that was gonna be everywhere. It's gonna be the, the big man. It was the, you know, Obnixilus is gonna run everything. And uh, instead, I mean, he does work, absolutely. That's a fantastic card. Definitely worth playing. But, um, you know, somehow not on the tippity-top. What, uh, between Rakdos and Jund, for those, what do you guys think is the build you would you would like? I mean, I guess I already know you guys like the, the Rectos one, but but let's just talk about it.
1: <laughs> so I think people expected Obnixilis to be like Oko for some reason, mm-hmm. where it's just like amazing and go. you should always play it and you have to be playing it. And it's like this card is so clearly an aggressive card that it's strange to me that people are jamming it into like pretty slow three-color decks. So I think you want this in a Rakdos deck that's a bit lower to the ground because if your opponent can just say okay I take 4 then the card didn't really get you anywhere mm-hmm. because you know it's like sure 4 damage could end up mattering but it also might not if your deck's not aggressive. I've had a I've loved this card in my red black deck cuz I go one drop, two drop, then this. They're already at 15 they take four, they're at 11, and I have two of these Planeswalkers in play. Like, they really have to do something about it. They can't just, you know, I think in these decks, someone, you, like, make a Devil Token, you hit them for two, then Omnixilis goes away, and then you, you got, like, a Devil Token and two damage out of your three mana and a creature you sacked. So, yeah, I mean, I think people are just assuming that the Asika's Chariot combo is the way to go. And obviously, if that happens, if you have two drop into Obnixlisk into Seagus Chariot on the play, you're probably gonna win. But it's just the overall the deck is so slow. Like they're playing a bunch of, you know, Fable of the Mirror Breakers, which takes three turns to to do its thing. Meat hook massacres in the deck and they're not sacking stuff. Like this one I'm looking at on uh, Magic Touch E G has like Titan of Industry in the deck. It's like you're playing I just don't think you want to pair Obnixlisk with titan of industry <laughs> yeah
0: i took this deck list uh, to no. play this deck and that's the first card it took out was titan of industry i was like i'm <laughs> not part. crafting this card and yeah. i don't <laughs> need to play this
1: um they're playing like main deck duress. like this is just not the shell for him, and he's still gonna be fine so it's hard to diagnose the problem it's gonna look like he's just not as good as you thought but if you put him in a really low to the ground red black deck um, he's going to look a lot better. The problem is everyone's playing Meat Hook Massacre, so it's hard to justify playing a red-black aggro deck. So you have to play one that doesn't care about Meat Hook Massacre, too. And that's why I'm playing red-black sack, because it's like none of my creatures are worth wiping them. <laughs> you can wipe my like triple-I twitch if you want. I don't, I don't care. That much.
2: Yeah, and if you've got Sky Clave shades to mm-hmm. come back at any point, then... The, the, the concession I would make for, for pushing Jund is I think people and I don't know, I, I'm a fan of this card, maybe it's because it's just Jund, is like Riveteer's Charm. I'm mm-hmm. kind of on board with this, and I don't think it's it's seeing as much play as it should, just because oh, of the versatility. So and I think like of the Charm um, cycle that they released during the set, like I think Riveteer's Charm is the only one that's close to playable. <laughs> I think yeah. it's playable. The other one's Hoggarb, but... <laughs> I think That's it's That's just great. my take.
1: Um, but I think that might be a different deck, right? Like, you're not even playing Obnixilus, you know.
2: You're yeah, exactly. Partly because, because of
1: wild cards. But also, I don't know if you want it in that deck, necessarily.
2: Yeah, I think you need to have a, a slew of one-drop creatures with mild upside to make Obnixilus worth it. Because if if you're just relying on your Bloodthithe Harvester or Tenacious Underdog as fodder for Ob, right. then like you've shot yourself a in the foot.
1: creature, yeah. Like when you sack a Blood Tithe Harvester, sure a blood token gets left over, but you just sack your like legitimate two drop. When I sack a Skyclave Shade, I'm like, that's coming back. Like yeah,
2: yeah, yeah you definitely need some some number of Eye Twitch, Shambling Ghast, Right. Um, eye whatever. Twitch replaces itself already, right? So yeah, be curious to see what the pros do. Yeah,
0: I mean, I I have seen uh the same kind of thing that you're saying. I, I tried playing this Jund deck, like I was saying, and. Um, even when you, you make, you have the three Obnixilus on board and they're all ticking up and, um, you can still lose, like you can still lose to flyers or just like wiping your board. And then like, you're, you're just dying to like creature lands, like stupid shit like that just like happens. And you're like, well, all right. I I did the cool thing of copying it. And then I had three (laughs) copies of Obnixilus and I still lose. So then this is definitely not the deck for it. I, I'm not a big fan of this Jun version. I think I think you're right. The the Rakdos one is um, the way to go. If you're playing Obnissus, I do want to
1: talk. I do want to talk a bit about Riveteer's Charm, though. To your point, because mm-hmm. I agree that people should be playing more of this. I mean, speak of or speak of how difficult it is to remove refine Like this doesn't even have to target it. So this is a th- three mana way, instant speed way to get it off the table that doesn't require targeting. But uh, Okay, so what is that dragon, um, the four-drop that they used to play in Gruel and it, like, cares about multicolored permanents? Oh, not Moonveil. Oh,
0: Manaform. hellkite. Yeah. Oh, no.
2: Manaform. hellkite. No. yeah. No, no, no Moonveil, be- region. To Moonveil
0: region. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah. No, Manaform is the other one with the of sorcery. Sorry.
1: So I had an opponent play at some sort of John's deck that was uh, a little slower, and they had Moonvale Regent in play and one card in hand, and then on my end step they cast, uh, they cast uh, Riveteer's Charm, and because of Moonvale Regent, it let them draw three cards because it has three colors, and then they exiled three cards from the Riveteer's Charm, and so it was literally a three mana draw six on my end step.
2: Hell yeah. That's that's the that's the stuff. Right I was there. like, "What just
1: <laughs> happened to me? I thought I was way ahead. They had a fucking single creature and one card in hand. I thought there's no way I'm losing this game." And then by the by the next turn, I was like, "There's no way I'm winning this game. You can't just draw seven cards, opponent." <laughs> like, what are you doing over there?
3: Um,
1: so that's something I definitely want. I don't. I wish I'd like written down this person's uh, username so I could shout them out here. But uh, this was a, a random league I was doing. And uh, it was very cool, and I was like, I kind of want to go build a gen deck with Moonvale Regent and Ribbitum's Charm, just for that interaction alone. That sounds... Um, but then they also had, like, Zeatora, which, uh, when they sacked the Moonvale Regent, did approximately 10,000 damage. <laughs> it because it did, it did, it did this... four from the Moonvale Regent, and then the Moonvale Regent died, but they had three colors because of the Zeatora. So it did another three. And I was just like, man, that was that was a seven damage split among any two targets they wanted, and they got three tre- three treasure tokens and they drew three cards off the Z. That's
0: insane.
1: So That's <laughs> that was, so cool. That was a pretty fucked up. Play. Yeah.
0: So, so I've seen some of these deck lists using Ziatoria different things. I haven't seen one with the Moonvale Regent, and I haven't ever played against it. So I thought it was just fake. I was like, I I don't know. No, I've never seen this in the wild. But hearing that Makes it a lot more interesting.
2: Hmm. Oh, I'm, I I'm, I'm playing this deck now. Thank you so much, <laughs> Jack, for uh, guiding, guiding my hand. Because I definitely burnt a wild card on Ziatora today. Were they running Obnixless? I'm curious in this deck.
1: I didn't see it. Easy. I didn't see it. I think they were doing more of the, they did more of the Jasper, Sentinel, Magda power start kind of thing. Oh, okay. Which also empties their hand for the Moonvale Regent. Oh. Um, so it's like, they, That's it was uh, sweet. when it was running, it was pretty good
0: wow awesome that's you know see this is what i'm talking about standard does feel great right now in my i think so like i do feel like we're running into a bunch of different things um and one of the decks i really wanted to talk about that just came up is there's an is it control deck that's around um and it stone rains the shit out of you if you are greedy (laughs) have you seen this deck it,
2: is it the Arcane Bombardment yes. deck?
0: <laughs> so this one basically it, <laughs> it's playing yeah. <laughs> four main deck uh, Cleansing Wildfire, is that what it's called? Um, and it its main plan is to say, it, it's two colors of course, and the, the game plan is to get Arcane Bombardment on the battlefield and have Lear to recast all of your different um, instants and sorceries. But Cleansing Wildfire, that's the card. <sighs> this card... Fuck this card man it, well the thing is that like because i'm playing runes i i know this is a deck that was going around so i ended up adding a couple extra basics to my mana base but if they can play this card seven or eight times in the game <clears throat> and field of ruin how they're just getting me off all my colors like if you're playing three colors this is this is the one that punishes you for playing three colors this is the one that's like it can't really beat uh, Mono White, but it beats a lot of the other three-color decks because, woof, is it rough. And uh, it was. Yeah. Um, Two-mana Stone Rain that draws you a card? Pretty good. It's pretty good. So <laughs> it's a reason to run more basics in all your three-color decks. Um, you must have, I think, two or three at least because if you don't get a card back immediately, oh, it's, it's really bad.
1: Oh, yeah. And, like, if you're playing Esper, you know, and your, your goal in life is to play Rafine, um, they can, they can even though you might have a basic mm. to go get, it may not be the one you need to play Rafine. Yeah. So they can still kind of get you. Um, and I'd be really interested in this in an open deck list event, too. Yeah. Um,
0: to know when to do it. Because then
1: you, like, look at your opponent's deck list. I scroll up here to the Esper mid-range deck they have on magic.gg one swamp mm-hmm. that's their basics
3: oof feels so you, bad <laughs>
1: you don't want to play against wandering emperor hit their white source they they're, they're not gonna get too white no <laughs> like,
0: and the the like that just like that just becomes the problem and the thing is that like this deck knows that's what it wants oh. to do so it will turn to cleansing wildfire your thing oh yeah turn three then they're gonna play freaking um What's that card? Uh, expressive iteration, and then <laughs> continue to play more, and then Lear comes down, and they replay all of them. Like um, I had this this deck. Turn three cracks their field of ruin just to blow up uh, anything that they could, knowing that I because it was like game two or three in the match, and they already counted how many basics I had by the times I could search my deck and take them. So after that, they already know. Oh, you have two basics, so. I'm just going full, full steam ahead. Just get rid of all your colors. (laughs) Ugh.
1: Well, something that's worth calling out, like the deck list I'm looking at, again, this is the one they posted as a preview for the big tournament. But we're looking at two Fading Hope, one Voltage Surge, three Spike Field Hazard, and two Flame Blessed Bolt. So that is eight one-mana interaction spells. So they can Field of Ruin, get a land, and then play something. Mm -hmm. So they are... They are already deciding, building this deck, they want a field to ruin you on turn three and then have something else they can also do after they do that. Yeah.
0: It is gross. Um, <clears throat> we were talking about, like, uh, the fact that big score is going to be in conjunction with the Express, or uh, what? what's the other one? The... Um... Windfall. Windfall, right? Uh, and they're like, have more? They're like, no, we can just play big score. We don't need the other one. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and they do. And this deck was miserable. <laughs> At least in a runes <laughs> matchup, it was really miserable. Uh, if you can deal with Leer, I'm sure it's a lot easier. But see,
1: I played against this deck and thought it was a meme because I was just playing against it. I was like, okay, go get my swamp. Go get my mm-hmm. mountain. Go get my mountain. <clears> go get my swamp. And then I'm just like, plus Obnixlis, plus Like <laughs> You are running out of life, sir. So yeah. You can field of ruin me all you want. I'm on 2 color deck, though.
2: Yeah, they're they're not angling for you, though. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was a little annoyed that I couldn't, they weren't playing any creatures for me to steal. <laughs> That's fair.
2: Although I did get little... to
1: steal Leer and cast a um, village rights out of my graveyard.
2: Hey, that seems pretty slick. Pretty <laughs> I've had a couple of uh, historic games playing green, red, ponza where I stone-rained their land on turn two and they just concede. Mm-hmm. So. You are on the right podcast. <laughs> yeah. We, so the thing is that,
0: like, number one, this this you know stone rain deck that we're playing right here, or look, talking about, um, miserable to play against for this event I was playing, but it was the first one I was like, what is the deck list and how can I have this to play it? Because... <laughs> stone writing people out of oblivion sounds amazing um
2: yes uh, big time yeah
0: it's something that commander players should do more often uh, it, uh <laughs> get uh, so get some of it in your blood it's uh, really fun
1: <laughs> so i had a similar like not a similar idea but i also figured cleansing wildfire and field of ruin would mess people up so i built a green green red deck that topped out at uh Waking the Trolls or something, Mm. whatever that card is. Oh, I have made this deck,
2: too. Mint. (laughs) It is so fun. You don't win, though.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I took it through uh, a league. First game, Mono Green Aggro. (laughs) I was like, my opponent plays Snow-Covered Forest. I'm like, should I concede? There's no (laughs) way my opponent, turn one, Snow-Covered Forest, can be good for me. (laughs) Then I played against Mono White. Then I played against the same Mono Green Aggro deck, that I played against, but it's not the same person. But it must have been the same list, so they obviously got it from somewhere. But the other thing I forgot to mention about this list, it had multiple main deck. Um, what's that green card that gives any permanent hexproof?
0: Uh, are you you're talking about Tamio's, Tamio's uh, safe
1: keeping? Yeah, Tamio's safe keeping. So they would just give their land hexproof.
3: Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I
1: was like, Wait, Man, this how am I matching this thing? Like, that's bullshit. Oh my
0: god, that's what I needed to do. Oh, in my runes matchup, I played that card. Fuck, I forgot that said permanent. Damn it. Permanent, there you go. That's awesome. Oh, I love that so much. They don't even get to draw their card. Sorry, from the, the cleansing wildfire. I'm, I'm still talking, thinking about that. Yeah, day, I, I
1: would just, I would never feel the ruin them because mm-hmm. I was so sure that I was just going to blow up my land and not get anything. That's brutal. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I, I like that so much. So then I was like, ah, oh, not enough people are getting are being greedy. I guess I should I, sh- I should throw out the idea of Field of Ruin plus uh, <laughs> Cleansing Wildfire. But also, this deck is a lot better than the one that
0: I built. <laughs> it's a lot better when you get to replay all of them. But um, I'm excited to see what happens this weekend with this deck uh, because. Well, I um, I, I hope I like that it punishes the greedy ones. You know, it's like, hey, best deck, the three colors is not running any basics. Fuck you for not playing basics. I love that. It's uh, good for you. Good good for you. Is it control? <laughs> I, I never. I would never say that. It's one of my least favorite <laughs> archetypes. I don't really like is it spell slinger decks, but good for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, Ryan can never play this deck. It has
2: three islands. In it. <laughs> mm, I mean, I will, I will bend when there's land destruction involved. Let's, let's uh, you know, throw that on the table there.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. Although I'm looking at this particular deck, which I think was taken from somewhere, and there's just no way this mana base is right because it has, like, way more blue than red and every card in the deck is red. But um, I-, I wonder if they, like, get screwed by their own mana base which is kind of like judgment you know like it's it's karma (laughs) yeah
2: well i mean you're 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 getting treasures they only run one prismari command that seems wrong but like the big score you're gonna get some correction there prismari command yeah but you're gonna
1: have like two hall of the storm giants Odawara, soaring city and a field of ruin you want a big score but you have to crack the field of ruin first because you you didn't draw any red sources because you played all of these single blue things and your deck is entirely red cards
2: yeah i guess you kind of lean into the spike field hazard and shatter soul smashing as mild oh that's true those are one I'm celestis really no.
0: yeah jeff they built their mana base right
1: I, don't, I still don't think it's right. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I usually... I'll
1: run the numbers on this. I'll pull up a Frank Karsten article. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you do that. I'll do the calculation. I
0: will trust the internet. Internet, tell me how many to play, and I will add a basic. That's what I do. Now, that's my... Frank Karsten versus the internet.
2: Is that a podcast? I will definitely listen,
0: Ooh, please. Wow, we should talk to Frank. We should tag Frank in this. I
1: feel like that's all of his articles. <laughs> the comment sections of all of his articles. <laughs> I,
0: that is definitely true. Um, man, Frank, we need some more master classes because the last one he did was awesome. Anyway, um, so coming into a little bit more aggressive white decks, I think is what we need to talk about. Um. <laughs> but I do want to talk about uh, Mono White is obviously there and not a lot has changed um, in, as far as that, that aggressive deck. But we do. Has anything changed? Uh, I think it might just be some of the numbers. Um, but um, another deck that plays Legion Angel is the Orzhov Angels deck. And it <laughs> is a creature deck that's fast, but I do like it. I, I, you know, I like creature decks. I think it's, I think it's there. I think it's nice. It's always great when the best common from the draft format makes it into standard somehow. (laughs) That's, uh, that is always nice. So.
1: (laughs) I do like that. I don't, I'm a little dubious that that card should be in the deck, but
0: hey, what are you going to do? I also agree that I don't know if it should be in the deck, but uh, it's an angel that draws a card. So there you go. They're still playing that fricking two mana card. I thought Giotto was going to be good enough to make sure that none of the time cards that weren't actually in the real set would make it into this deck, but lo and behold, they still play Youthful Valkyrie. That um, that upsets me a little bit, but what you going to do?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, mostly when I play against angels, I feel like, because there's Esper angels or there's Black-White angels, um, I usually feel like like a sigh of relief. I see the Black-White <laughs> lands, and then an angel comes down. I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. it's like i know i'm not playing against the the esper deck i've seen some that just play rafine just because you know whatever (laughs) i mean i'm a esper creature deck i'm gonna play rafine that's a great creature i think that if you're playing angels that's probably right That's probably the right thing to do uh, but then at that point, you slowly start removing the angels from your deck and just morphing into Asper. But- it's
0: interesting that you feel a sigh of relief because I feel a little bit of panic in the sense that if I don't win this game, what does this mean about me? Because <laughs> I also don't think that the deck is very good. Um, I'm happy that it's around, and I think Jada is strong if you don't kill it immediately. But it is very much... An <laughs> As I've said, the whole podcast, I'm playing runes. I don't have any removal spells, so uh, Giana does get out of control quickly. I just have to be better and faster than them. Um, so it's mostly like, uh-oh, all right, I don't want to lose to this deck. Oh, but I definitely can.
1: <laughs> you definitely can lose to it. It's probably tier two, yeah. right?
2: Yeah, when they get going, and then like the the toughness, and then they get the bonus from righteous righteous Valkyrie, it kind of gets out of hand, and you know it it dodges the meat hook massacres yeah. and damage based removal spells of the world, and then you're like, well shit, they're all in the air, and I'm sitting here on the ground with nothing I can do. So I mean, respect to them, mm-hmm. good for them, like shooting the meta game and a bit of a, like a side angle here and taking to the skies yeah. and getting big butts all over the place. Jeff, <laughs> I, w- I
0: do want to know, have you been able to uh, steal one of their righteous Valkyries when it's, I guess your life total wouldn't be huge, um, but stealing their Anthem sounds pretty good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ste- right. Stealing righteous val- Valkyries, really common play against this deck because uh, it's just so much toughness. that um, usually it's the, just the best thing to steal because it's their best block. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, the, like you said, the thing you want to kill because it gains them life. Even when it's not an Anthem, it's just gaining them too much life. So, uh, yeah. This deck gets really messed up by stealing their creature and then sacking that creature to exile one of their other creatures. That really oh, does a number on them. Yuck. Um, so this is a very positive matchup for me because it's it's all just like dorky creatures with no
3: protection.
2: <laughs> have you done the the post combat steal while the damage is still on the creatures and then have them go their toughness to zero? That, that has never it. come up.
0: that's <laughs> that sounds that fun.
2: So I'll, I'll have to keep
1: that in mind though. Just it's like <laughs> that play often is an option, but then there's something else that's better. It's like, and I don't want to just do that
2: because it's fun. It's funnier. Yeah. Like, well, if, if you're streaming and I'm watching you, I expect you to do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Meat hook for three. Steal, <laughs>
2: steal your anthem.
0: <laughs> now yeah. you're talking. <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> Pono would be like,
1: why didn't they just meat hook for the full? Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because it looks cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, Anyway, the last deck I did want to talk about, I didn't write this down, and um, I don't know if it's a huge part of this metagame, but have you run into not mono-white aggro, but mono-white control? Have you seen this deck? No.
1: Pray I think I think I've seen a list. I've never seen it in the wild. I
0: have played against it. I was able to, to uh, I think, beat it, but I remember being like, "What what is happening? And it is a similar game plan of... I'm Mono White, and I'm playing a bunch of Creature Lands, and I'm also playing a bunch of Field of Ruins. And fuck your mana base. <laughs> and I'm going to play Farewell <laughs> when you get to a, like big. It's just like Wandering Emperor, Farewell, a bunch of Creature Lands, and some like good white cards. But it's just like... <laughs> I remember being like, huh, this is weird. I'm going to lose to... Um, What's that creature? The like the colorless creature land from uh, Zendikar that you like? You pay for and then it, you put two plus one plus oh, one counters yeah. on it and then
2: crawling, 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 barons. Barons. Yeah, it's
0: like oh, I'm going to loot to that because it's it's getting bigger and bigger and they're blowing up all my <laughs> lands, which is like this is <laughs> so ridiculous. How is Mono White doing this now? Field of Ruin, <laughs> new best card in the format. Love it. Field of Ruin. <laughs> you hey, Field of Ruin has always been great,
1: man. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like a bit of a suspicious proposition to bring a deck that sounds like it can never beat a Planeswalker ever into a format where the best deck is <laughs> just loaded with Planeswalkers. But, but
0: its uh-huh. I wonder if it was built because it's like, all right, well, <laughs> I think there are a lot of people that are focused on this Planeswalker deck. They're like, okay, so how do you beat Planeswalkers? Get on the board. What I'm gonna play is the deck that just destroys the board every turn, and uh, right. kills people level with level two. Yeah, then. level two. We're getting but deeper into the.
1: I often <laughs> do that in tournaments, and like trying to multi-level it, and then I just lose to the best deck, and I'm like, "Oh, that was good.
0: because." <laughs> so that means that you're too smart for your for your own good, because you think other people. Well, also it means I didn't have any money, so I couldn't. just Okay, buy a well, good deck. all right, that's I had to, true. Let's try true. to
1: get creative.
0: Well, luckily in arena, for the most part. You know, you don't have to the the best card in the deck, or the in the set, costs the same amount as the other janky mythic. You know, <laughs> and yet I'm still brewing jank. Still brewing jank. Yeah, well, but
2: as as we just discussed, the best card is Field of Ruin, and that's uh, uncommon, that's an uncommon. So. so there you go. There get you it go. in your deck, folks. <laughs> you heard it
0: first. Ryan said, Field of Ruin worth a slot. <laughs> get get four of them. Put them <laughs> in your deck. Uh, no matter what. <laughs>
1: But there is one deck that you've mentioned a bunch of times. We haven't actually talked about it, and that's Runes. All right.
2: True. Uh, Runes.
1: Runes got a lot better, because the worst thing about Runes was its mana base, and it got Jetmir's Garden. Mm-hmm. And I think pretty much nothing else, but that was a big enough improvement that the deck is sort of back. And
0: it was a big enough improvement that people started playing, a, like, just uh, Fable of the Breaker because... And mm-hmm. one copy of Legion Angel, and then you have more Legion Angels in your sideboard, which has been very helpful as a backup plan. Yeah.
1: You know we're one plus
2: three Legion Angel people.
0: Yeah, none of these two and twos <laughs> get your get no, out of no, here. No, 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 no,
2: no, 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 no. That's one nonsense. One plus three,
0: and I've seen I've seen your deck lists that are one plus two. What? What? Yeah, no. Get that is obviously yeah.
2: Good. Hey. <laughs> All right, guys, hot take. If you run Field of Ruin, it thins your deck for the Legion Angel play. So I'm just going to throw that out All there. right. Well,
0: there, okay, so we're playing Mono White again. Where We're Mono White, Legion Angel. <laughs> oh,
1: no, oh. no, no, no. He's recommending Field of Ruin in, in In
0: your three-color deck where your mana base was <laughs> in the worst problem? your
1: three-color deck. <laughs> you yeah. don't play any basic? You can't even go get a basic? You just Stone right yourself? The Field of Ruin. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's so strong. It's just a power play, right? It's like attacking with an ornithopter. You know, you gotta prove a point. Yeah,
3: hey,
2: fail to find and pass turn.
0: In in my uh, (laughs) this is a completely different thing, but uh, I have a mono red Zada, the Hedge Grinder, Hedron, Hedron, whatever. Anyway, uh, Hedron Grinder, Hedron Hedron Grinder, uh, (laughs) commander deck. And when I attack you with an ornithopter, I'm gonna copy a bunch of combat tricks and kill you. So um, that's a That that's a message.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. I've lost a lot of games to an Ornithopter. A lot, a lot of games. So block,
0: block the <laughs> Ornithopter. Um, yes, I think, but I like Runes right now, even though I am not doing very well. I still like Runes. You know, you're just, you're, you're my baby.
1: I think Runes is the most powerful deck in the format. It's just easy to hate on if you so choose. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, if people know... A, it's one of those decks that people are going to forget about, and then it'll circle back, and nobody's playing any good cards against it, and then it's like, they just lose. But Jukai Naturalist is a card that, if, if you just run it out on turn two, and I can't kill it, i probably lose the game. I'm sitting there on the other side of the table like, well, fuck, I'll just play my two-drop and be prepared to lose next turn. And so it has a lot of raw power, like showdown of the skulls, one of the most powerful cards, the fable of the mirror breakers shown itself to be one of the best cards in the format. Um, And so this deck still has it. It's just, it, it just like beats it's even with Jetmir's garden, you know, it's still a little bit of a sketchy mana base. Uh, And, you know, like if anyone decides to play Archon of Myria, I don't know what you do. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's... The the thing that I've been having a problem with is not just Archon of Amiria, but also when people are playing... A, you're playing Mono White, and they have a bunch of Brutal Cathars, and they just pass the turn and flip them, and you're like, oh, God. Okay, well... Right, because they know you... I have no to I have no removal, and I have to play all of my cards, and you're going to steal two of my creatures, so I guess I just play as many as I can, and it happens, like, every turn. It's really rough, um, but... I guess Thalia probably messes you up, and too. And Thalia ruins the it combo. ruins the combo so mono white is rough in a weird controlling way uh that doesn't get under you because you can go faster and bigger than them um right because oh, you have life length, so you don't care if you lose life but holy moly is it uh can be rough but hey if you're playing this deck but man when runes goes
1: off you're like why like why doesn't everyone play this deck? Like when runes has a good draw and just kind of dunks on it you. It really does. Like, just have like several eight power trampling
2: lifelinkers. Yeah. Turn and they've four. got, a, <laughs> the fuck and they've got a grip of seven cards and you're down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like how, like how did that happen? What is going on? Seven
1: oh. cards in hand, three exiled to showdown of the
0: skulls. Like Every <laughs> time you play a card, you put a counter on something. So really, whenever you, you get Kiki Jiki, if people don't kill it, because usually they're killing other things, my favorite thing to count, like the copy, is usually just like the generous visitor that you just like. All right, now every oh, you know, yeah, okay, <laughs> copy this, and now I'm gonna play a bunch of stuff, get extra counters. It's great, um, and you can give Kiki
1: Jiki haste in this deck, right? Which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I like incidental ways to give it haste because the card is nuts. If, <laughs> if you can do it right away, if you can actually activate
0: it before it gets destroyed, um, yeah, awesome. Well, closing thoughts. For the standard format, I think the best way would be if you are playing this weekend in this championship, which deck would you pick? That seems like a, a good way to round this out. Uh, Jeff, I'll start with you. What deck are you going to play? Okay.
1: Uh, presumably I'm, opt- I'm trying to win, right? I'm well, yeah. Optimize. You're playing in
0: the tournament, so you're trying. To, I would assume you're trying to win.
1: Yeah, usually I'm trying to win with my own deck, though. Um, well. Because, like. The real answer is, in all likelihood, I would play my Rakdos. Yeah. (laughs) But I think think if you're looking for, like, a real answer, um, I would probably play just bring Esper because I think it has the tools to beat anything. Like, even if something has a good matchup against it, what does that good mean, like, 55%? You know, like, you're never going to be a dominant favorite against this deck. And then there are matchups where this deck will be like 70%, like just not going to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't build it the way that this list we've been looking at does. I think
0: there's some stuff in there.
1: Three Wandering Emperors, a big question mark for me. I would just play four. Um, and I would try to sneak in some more basics if possible mm-hmm. um, because of you know what we've been talking about with Field of Ruin. And I, I know people are like, the list is so tight, yada, yada, yada. It's like, well, you don't have to play Amiria's Call. Okay, mm-hmm. like that can be yeah, a plane stretch. Uh, you don't have to like you can add more lands. Mm-hmm. You don't have to play like 26 lands. You can play 27 added another basic cut the main deck to rest or whatever. Like there's definitely ways to get more basics into this deck. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of like the, this particular like fairy vandal Uh, yeah yeah well yeah but but that's
0: the archetype you would want to play right like yeah you would play the the, i would
1: play a black white deck that splashes blue for kaito basically gotcha Um, and Mm -hmm.
0: absolutely um ryan i'm gonna end with you but i think i honestly through this discussion i think that um i might just stick with like an oldie but a goodie i'm gonna play mono white probably um so i don't have to deal with this field of ruin crap and uh, I also will have board presence to deal with Planeswalkers, and I can get rid of Rafine um, without having to worry about damage. I think I like that. Um, can you imagine if they'd never banned Faceless Haven? Jeez. Wow, them. yeah, holy moly.
2: Insane.
0: So, so, yeah, that's what I'm going to... I think that's what I'm going to stick with. Ryan, what are you thinking?
2: I'm thinking... Uh, he's obviously a uh, way yeah. yeah. Well, you know, like, it's already been taken, so I can't... <laughs> into anymore. But... Um, <laughs> I, w- I would think I'm leaning into this kind of turbo Jund hard ramp into this moon ra- moonvale Ragent situation with maybe two top-end Zeatora mm-hmm. and a lot of Riveteer's Charm, because I feel like with that kind of toolbox, you have the answer to mm-hmm. most things. Maybe not as quite the toolbox uh, situation that the Esper deck has these days, but I just I just want to play Jund, so...
0: Nice. Uh, no, absolutely. I'm pretty... I am think there's a build of
1: that deck that's real for sure.
0: Absolutely. And I think that it's definitely one of the ones that would be on fringe enough that like people wouldn't ex- like people are not going into the tournament thinking I have to worry about Riveteer's Charm. You know what I mean? Like you're yeah. going to get people with that. So I think that's a that's a and it's very good. Yeah. And it's also going to hit this uh, it hits Planeswalker. So that's also going to be super, super helpful.
1: Like even when you exile someone's graveyard, you know like when you're choosing that mode, that's a devastating play.
0: All right. With that, we are going to go
2: to last call.
1: First two were so good; I had to have a
2: third. Yeah, love to love to hear that, guys. Really, do. <laughs> it means a lot.
0: Parallel futures. Third pint up. Oof. All right, Ryan. Do you feel the pressure? The pressure's on. We're gonna. It's rating time.
2: I need to hear the the criticism. That's that's part of uh, part of the. The job the: shtick? being someone who, who makes products for people to enjoy. If you don't enjoy them, then I have failed.
0: All right, well, before I'll we... will just
2: blame Collective Arts. <laughs> uh,
0: before we get into it, as always, we need to talk about our rating system. So um, we rate our beers on a scale of Bronze to Mythic, which is just like the tiers in Arena. Look at that. Very that, that just worked out. I don't know what happened. Um, and oh, wow. as always, this has nothing to do with what tier you are in currently on Arena. Everyone's in a different tier in a different time. It doesn't matter. It's just a fun way to rate beers. However, bronze beers are trash. They're horrible. You can't drink them. You have to pour them out. They're a Belgian stout that did not work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're fortunate enough that before tonight, there's never been a bronze beer on the show. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, was I was just taking that. <laughs> beers. These are Mac or or basically nothing going on. (laughs)
0: Uh gold beers are fine, but you don't really think about them very often.
1: Platinum is solid. You would drink a platinum
0: beer again. Diamond beers are exceptional. These are some of your favorites and you recommend these to your friends. And Mythic, these are the absolute best of the
1: best, the fandomons of the world. You would recommend these to strangers or anyone who would listen.
0: Alrighty. So again we are drinking Parallel Futures, a Schwartz beer, 5.1%, made by our friend right here, Ryan Oliver. All right, where do we want to start? So I can I... start. All right, start. <laughs> Ryan, start us off. I really, I really want to hear your thoughts.
2: Honestly, I would put this at, at a platinum. It's solid, would drink again, obviously, because it's, it's my recipe. I can see some faults in it. I would have changed some of the malt bill to make it a little less caramelly. And a little bit more bready. And I would have increased the bitterness just a little bit for balance. Because I think it's leaning a little too sweet currently. Interesting. But that's me. You guys can rate a bronze, you know. We'll just, <laughs> I'll take it. Since
0: I already <laughs> threw a... Um, just so you know, we've never rated a beer bronze on the show and um they really have to be the jankiest brews that like you don't want i also did not in, taste your belgian stout so sorry for just throwing that <laughs> jab in there uh.
2: oh oh it was bronze <laughs> for sure
1: <laughs> when you're like you took two sips and you're looking at it like i have so much left that's when you know it's bronze Yeah. Um, you no, know, the fact that we drank two of them and opened a third means that it it can't be bronze. Absolutely. We would have to really like you a lot if it was bronze.
0: The episode first. would have been over very early if it was bronze. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah, well, before I answered, I did want to know. I, you, you talked very briefly about Schwartzbears, but I wanted to know a little more about them. Like, Basically, all I know is dark lager, but like, what makes it a Schwartzbear versus just, uh, let's say, a, a black lager?
2: So, Schwartz beer, I've got my handy-dandy beer judge certification program manual up here. Um, Well, let me tell you about what I did for this beer and and what I think qualifies it as a Schwartz beer. So, like, as far as malt base, um, pale malt is obviously included. But then there's a type of malt called Munich, which is a slightly darker, more bready, more caramelly type of malt that I used in this, as well as a uh, dark Munich, which is more of the same, but slightly darker, more roasty. And then I used a black malt, heavily roasted, to give it color in a very, very small amount. if you use too much of this, it's going to get too roasty. It's going to be a like, bad coffee. Um, all of these malts that I used in this brew were German bag malt, which I appreciate imported from Best Malt in uh, where in, in the, uh, Bavaria. And the hops I used were also German noble varieties. So a hop called Magnum for bittering, which is just providing the balance between the sweet and the hop bitterness. And then a little bit of a hop called tetnang to give kind of a tea or grassy note in the finish. And um, German lager yeast using like a 9 or 10 degree Celsius fermentation temperature, which is like traditional lager temperatures to give you that nice, clean, crisp finish. And that's, uh, I didn't
1: realize lager temps were that low. I was thinking more like 15, 14. It's
2: 15. cold. It's difficult to do at home. And mm-hmm. it's meant to be done in... You know, subterranean, essentially. Yeah.
0: Didn't they start to make them in, it was like caves and stuff? When you st- they started brewing, like they put the barrels in caves?
2: For sure, yeah. And the lager, I think the word in German means like to store or like um, oh. to, yeah, I think it's store to storage or something like that. It's like underground barrels. And with that process over so like a month or two months, you develop these very fine minor sulfur Crisp characteristics that give you a really nice finish on the beer.
1: So the Schwarzbier part—it's because you used all of these German. Drinks?
2: Uh, yes, and because of the color, and because it's a lager, and I guess you know, you call a Schwarzbier a black lager, and they would be synonymous in the way that's like. Uh, a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle's not always a square. Kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um the the history on Schwarzberg I was looking it up for this episode is a bit dodgy. It's like 1100, 1200 hundred a d in germany the The first notions of this word started to surface in circles, but back then they didn't have the capability to kill malt in a very very light capacity like we have today. so when you think lager, you think like your bud lights most and Canadians of the world, and that's very pale, pale, pale beer. But you know, with crude roasting regimen and equipment, you could only have dark beer. Mm-hmm. So, I imagine that this kind of like they, they used lager yeast that came from Patagonia in South America, but with these darker malts, so they got this weird balance, and then eventually they started using. Pilsner malts and Munich malts or Vienna malts to kind of add to the grain bill hmm. and eventually become modern Schwarzbier or dark lager.
0: Wow, this is fascinating. This is the most in-depth. <laughs> yeah. This is the most in-depth beer review we've ever had, and I love it. I love every bit of yeah. this. So thank you for gracing us with your your knowledge. This
2: is this is wonderful. Wow. I've got to say this. Uh, it's a tasty beer. It's going to my head just a little bit, so. I apologize oh, well. For the, <laughs> if there's a little bit of No, no, that's wilt. what the show is about. That's most of
0: the show <laughs> to be fair. Um, Jeff, what are you what are your thoughts? What do you what do you feel? Okay, well, now I'm just running through my head to see if I can
1: taste any of what he's telling me. Yeah. <laughs> <beer>. uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I like it. I think I like it a bit more than Ryan does. I've always actually been partial to despite the fact that I don't love loggers, I've always had a soft spot for dark loggers. Like I find that, um, sometimes for me, loggers can come across a bit bland, like the flavors are a bit too subtle. And when you use the dark loggers, that sort of adds that back in for me. It's like a little boost of flavor combined with the really crisp finish that loggers, you know, that people love loggers for. Um, when I was drinking this one, I do remember I was still hit with a bit of, um, like, my main complaint about lagers is what, to me, I identify as, like, not enough body, I guess. Um, I'm wondering if that sort of lines up with what you're saying about bready, trying to make it breadier. Um, it, maybe that's what I'm tasting as well, uh, like, too, too sweet and not sort of bready enough. But I always think of this as like, I'd I'd like a little extra sort of malt flavor, a little extra body Mm -hmm. to it. But otherwise, I think it's really refreshing and really good. So I'm going to give this diamond.
0: I definitely agree with that um, because it also feels extremely refreshing while also having all these nice kind of bitter notes. And I like the maltiness. I I don't feel like I'm missing any of this breadiness that you're talking about. And this feels like... um, like in comparison to just like black lagers, like this is such a good example of like, if I'm thinking about a black lager, this is what I would hope to be pouring in my glass. So this is definitely a diamond and it's definitely one that like, It's diamond into mythic in the sense that, like, if I'm standing at a store and someone's looking at that, I am going to give them a mini commercial about it. Like, I will try to convince them to buy it. (laughs) So you got
1: to listen to our episode to get the full. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) well, I mean,
0: (laughs) not a sorry, not a commercial about the show, but a commercial about like you should buy this beer because and and try to explain in the best way that I can without saying that I know the person that had the recipe because I'm sure that they wouldn't buy it if if they thought it was like a biased but um but no this is absolutely which it is yeah but it's also wonderful and i'm so happy that i have another one in my fridge because i was i was hoping i was gonna like it so i made sure to get a bunch and uh it's making me rethink that uh, i bought four and i did not buy enough so uh that is that is how i feel
1: I've had enough of Ryan's beer to know I was going to like it. And yeah. <laughs> so when you were moving, when he was going off to Brewers College, I remember you were moving and you just had like six or seven different beers that you had made and you still had them all. And you had yep. like a drink all my beer party.
2: The uh, <laughs> the Belgian great. Stout made a appearance at that. for <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> After you had all of
1: the other beers, then maybe you'd be willing to tackle the Belgian, the Belgian yeah. Stout. The Belgian Stout.
0: All oh,
2: right. Really, you
1: didn't drink all like twenty-five liters of that one?
2: Oh, geez! I feel like it's—I've been issued a bit of a challenge. Like I gotta try to rebrew that with the knowledge I have now, Ooh. and see if I can make it palatable. I
0: am yeah,
1: so you're like down. shooting for gold.
0: <laughs> Ryan, if you make that beer, if you make the Belgian stout, we'll do it on the show.
2: Absolutely. So, um, <laughs> yeah, hell, will will you back, yes. and we'll do the Belgian stout. Yeah, I'd be so happy to come back. We gotta pick like a, a suitable set or conversation or you know format topic to make yeah some jank
0: janky brews <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll talk stuff. about janky some janky brews, brews. Yeah, yeah. there
1: <laughs> we'll, you go we'll talk about Ooh. brewing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i can't wait to go to fairweather and see it on the menu I
0: yeah yes please <laughs> come down soon very soon um but anyway, Ryan, thank you so much for being our first guest. It's been so fun having you here. Um, and it's just uh, oh, so nice to have another voice on the podcast, not just Jim. <laughs> <laughs> and, and someone who
2: actually knows about beer, you know.
0: That, that is, is the best nice thing. Game. Having someone who really knows about beer is, is so
2: helpful. So what, Whatever my, my hot take about Field of Ruin is, I, I do know a little bit about beer. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a bit. Play more Jund. That's all
1: I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, if you wanna be forty-five percent against everything,
0: that's what you <laughs> have to <follow> it out. <laughs> So with that, it is closing time. You can always reach us at arena regulars on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us on MTG Arena under the username
1: Arena Regulars Podcast.
0: And you can find me personally at Zulberg that is Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you? I have
1: Twitter. It's at Blues Brews MTG. B l u e s b r e w s
0: M T G. And Ryan, where could our listeners find you if they're interested in asking you any brewing tips, either beer related or magic related?
2: That's a great question. My usual handle is Sithroth in multiple formats. S i t h e r o t h, or you can find me at Fairweather Brewing Company in Hamilton
0: you know what
1: do you that play against someone on arena who just field of ruins you and never gets a land when they do it <laughs> that's, uh, that's probably right that's probably right
3: <laughs>
2: just now it was me Yeah.
0: but in any case go pick up yourself a bottle or five of parallel futures and then go down to fairweather brewing to, to go taste some more of ryan's tasty brews um also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify and iTunes, anywhere that you're listening to us right now. Um, you know, just, uh, just tell us what you thought about this and, uh, you know, who should be our next special guest or what brew we should uh, drink next. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you that Zach is too good for home brews.
2: And from all of us here, good night. <laughs>
0: right that's fine